Welcome to the FedSpeak podcast, brought to you by MNI Market News. I'm Pedro DaCosta, and I'm excited to welcome Dr. Randall Krosner to the program. He is a professor at Chicago's Booth School and was a member of the Federal Reserve Board of Governors from 2006 to 2009, smack in the middle of the global financial crisis. He also served as a member of the White House Council of Economic Advisors from 2001 to 2003, and was also recently appointed to the Bank of England's Financial Policy Committee. So thank you so much for being here today. Delighted to be with you, Pedro. So let's start with financial stability and the state of the, the banking system overall. Do you think we're through the worst of the banking turmoil, or are we simply kind of in a lull or potentially in the eye of the storm still? Well, I'll be focusing my comments primarily on the US and, and Europe. And so I think there are still some um, risks and issues out there. Obviously, we learn that um, moving interest rates up very rapidly can have some uh, impacts on, on banks' balance sheets. That was the, uh, what we, we learned from uh, Silicon Valley Bank, that uh, a lot of banks had some long-term assets that they weren't marking to market. And if you did mark them to market, not much capital might be left in some of those institutions. Increases in interest rates also will have an effect on things like commercial real estate. So in the U.S., most people are in relatively... Um, long-term fixed rate mortgages. So unless they're forced to move, there's not going to be that much pressure in that market. So that's a very big uh, contrast with what happened 15 years ago. Commercial real estate is a little bit of a different story. We've certainly seen a lot of uh, downward pressures there, people not going back to the office completely, people downsizing in, uh, in cities, and uh, even in uh, not just the biggest cities, but also in, in medium-sized towns. And a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, small and medium-sized banks that have a lot of commercial real estate, local commercial real estate exposure. And with interest rates up and rents down or not as strong as they, or the rent flow not as strong as it once was, I think a number of those, um, uh, those, those firms will have difficulty refinancing themselves. And, and I think that's going to be so the next um, key thing to, to manage. Uh, and that's assuming we don't have a major recession. Uh, obviously, the more pressures if there's a the major recession. What are the potential implications of the turmoil that we've seen so far, and maybe some of the the future turbulence that we might see from commercial real estate or other sectors? What are the implications of that on credit conditions and credit tightening, and for economic activity overall? Well, undoubtedly, uh, uh, banks are going to be a bit more cautious in lending because they're concerned about their own balance sheets, uh, as well as concerned about whether this tightening might lead others to also be concerned about their balance sheets and uh, not be uh, be lending as much. So, uh, so that tightening of credit conditions certainly will make it uh, on the margin a bit more difficult for for people to get to get financing, uh, you know, making uh, a slowdown more likely. And so, I think that's really the key: how much tightening there will be from this. We certainly have bounced back. I'm someone who always, uh, you know, being a, a person who focuses a lot on on financial stability issues, I always worry, and uh, and I always get worried when other people are not worried. And it seems that people have now said, "Oh, well, we've we've dealt with the issues and we we're fine to go ahead." As I said, I think there may be some other shoes to drop, and commercial real estate is one of the areas that that I would look in. And um, and it's I prefer that people be a little bit more cautious, and I think it's good that the banks are being a bit more cautious because I think it makes any uh, you know big mistake much less likely. And does this tightening of credit conditions mean that the Fed ultimately has to do less in terms of raising interest rates and tightening monetary policy? 
It, on the margin, that probably will make a difference. And I think um, Jay Powell has, has talked about this, that uh, he said that in some sense, the, uh, the tightening of the credit conditions is helping them to not have to raise interest rates quite as much because it's likely to lead to less credit creation, lead to less investment, less employment growth, uh, which is where the Fed was going. Not that they want recession, but they really want to bring down inflation. And it's hard to bring down inflation without bringing down demand and uh, cooling the labor market, at least to, to some extent. And how close do you think we are at this point to a peak in the Fed's interest rate cycle? And perhaps more importantly, how long is the Fed likely to stay at that peak? Because that's where the big divergence currently lies between you know the Fed signals and the market's interpretation. Yes. So I think um, the Fed, I think Jay Powell and a number of colleagues have signaled they're getting pretty close to where they want to be. I think they want to get everything with a five handle. Um, and so they'll be you know, at five to five and a quarter. And then uh, I think they'll hold on for a while. And exactly as you said, the markets don't seem to believe that. It took them a long time to believe the Fed was really going to get to five. As you know, Pedro, you know that I've been saying this for a very long time because uh, I thought it was clear where the Fed was uh, was going. The markets really didn't, didn't seem to believe them. They're there. The markets don't seem to believe that they're going to hold tight. And, you know, let's say, but for sort of a major cataclysm so that you know, there's some sort of, you know, uh, financial disruption or some sort of geopolitical disruption, the Fed's going to hold. And I think part of the reason that the, uh, I mean, maybe this is just uh, just uh, too much about me, but I think part of the reason is that I, that I believe the Fed and the markets don't believe the Fed is I'm older. So I've lived through different Fed cycles. I've lived through, um, I've lived through Volcker. And I think most market participants have only been around since the Fed has been providing support. So remember that the standard metaphor about the Fed is that you take the punch bowl away when the party gets going. For the last 20 years, no one's seen that. And so people don't realize that the Fed <clears throat> may be willing to actually um, hold tight even as conditions slow and even as a recession comes, they really feel that they have to bring inflation down. That's traditionally what central banks have done. This is why Jay Powell has repeatedly involved Volcker because he wants to say, you know, I understand that experience. You market participants should understand that experience, whether you live through it or not, and and that's what's going to be be driving us. And uh, I do think that you know holding over, uh, let's say, you know, in, in the low fives where where I think they're likely to hold over the year as inflation continues to go down, and I think it will continue to go down. You know, that effectively is a tightening, because if you think about inflation-adjusted interest rates, the so-called real interest rate, as inflation goes down, the inflation-adjusted interest rates goes up when you're keeping the nominal rate the same. So I think there's actually more tightening that's going to be coming from that. And I think that makes it more likely that we'll have a slowdown recession. That's a great point. And that whole accommodative era that this young generation of traders lived through of course, was a different era because it was not inflationary at all. If anything, inflation was undershooting the target. And now the Fed is coming from a totally different plateau. And I think this doubt that the Fed is going to be fully committed to, to fighting inflation is, 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 is misguided, as you suggest. What do you make of this morning's CPI figures? Where do you think we are in the fight against inflation? You know, is moderation in the headline, but still four months in a row of core, core month on month at 0.4% is not exactly where officials want to see it. Exactly. So <clears throat> the Fed focuses much more on the, on the person consumption expenditure index than, than CPI. And one of the reasons for that is shelter is an enormous part of the, uh, the CPI number. 
That said, the Fed, to the extent that it'll focus on CPI, will be much more looking at the core rather than the headline, because core is really where there's more information about where inflation is going rather than where inflation has been. And the core numbers are still reasonably elevated. And especially if you look at core services, so you kind of strip out uh, some of the shelter issues, you strip out uh, some of the uh, the other other issues. If you really focus on just uh, core services, that's still pretty persistently high. And that's where the Fed is most worried, because until the labor market starts to, to cool, the Fed is going to be worried that uh, inflation pressures will be there because wage pressures will be there. And such a large part of the U.S. economy is services. And until they really see the labor market crack, um, I think they're not going to uh, I think they're not going to stop. Yeah, that was another question I had is how big an impediment to the Fed's achievement of the inflation goal the labor market continues to be. And it sounds like you think it's a pretty big one. Yeah, I think uh, until the labor market uh, quits, the Fed's not going to quit because they think that and I think quite reasonably that a very robust labor market means uh, robust wage growth. And uh, if wage growth is, is persistently high, it becomes very difficult to bring inflation down when you have a services economy. And, uh, and so I think the Fed is going to be looking very carefully at some other pieces of data that will come out, the employment cost index that will come out later this month. They'll also be looking at the, uh, the personal consumption expenditure index. That's their favorite, uh, favorite measure because there's a little bit less focus on uh, shelter services in, uh, in that measure. And in terms of the credit outlook, what metrics would you be looking at, you know, in your former role as at the Fed board or even now at the BOE? Like what what are you monitoring in terms of what potential signs of credit deterioration we see? Because according to some folks that I've spoken to, there might be a lag in that particular transmission, right? There might be a lag between when there's some difficulty at particular banks and people moving their money around and, and the credit tightening process, depending on when various loans come due. What kind of indicators are you paying attention to at the moment? Sure. So I'll focus on the uh, the U.S. So certainly the senior loan officer survey that the, uh, the Fed puts out uh, provides useful information and both when I was at the Fed as well as uh, outside of the Fed, that's something that's, that's very useful to get a feeling for what the loan officers are saying. How are they seeing the landscape? Are they tightening? You know, what are the kind of credit conditions they're seeing? So I think that's something that, that's very useful. I think we're also going to get lots of reports that will be coming with the um, the bank earnings that are that are coming up. There are a lot of bank, uh, bank earnings that will be uh, reported in the U.S. And you're going to get a lot of color around that about how the bankers are thinking about these things. How are they seeing the risks? How are they seeing things moving forward? Are they going to be pulling back on their lending or not? My guess is that they'll be doing more provisioning because they'll be, have some concerns. But my, my hunch is that they'll say at the moment uh, they don't see any major change. But my guess is they'll be becoming more cautious. And as you balance this potential credit tightening against the still strong labor market, how are you looking at the sort of hard versus soft landing debate? Where do you think we end up? Well, we all are hopeful for the uh, the soft landing, or even even better, the the immaculate disinflation, in which uh, you get uh, inflation to come down, but you don't get uh, a very significant rise in the unemployment rate. Um, it's possible. We've never seen it before. It's it's I, so I don't want to dismiss it. I, I never say never to anything, given that I lived through the uh, the global financial crisis when I was at the Fed. But I, I think some sort of slowdown, uh, certainly a slowdown, and um, uh, a uh, a mild recession is, uh, I think very likely whether it could turn into a hard landing that's really hard to say and i think a lot of that is going to have to do not only with 
what the Fed does and other central banks do, but also with things like what Mr. Putin does and what President Xi does and um, uh, and uh, what happens in the Middle East. So I think there are a lot of other factors that are probably going to be, be driving that beyond what central banks will be doing. That's a fair point. And maybe one last question on an aspect of policy that we haven't touched upon. Where do you see the Fed's process of winding down the balance sheet, given that it had to kind of step in to, to rescue the banking system yet again with an emergency lending facility that has kind of has sends mixed messages in terms of what they're actually doing in terms of adding li- versus withdrawing liquidity? Sure. I, I think it, it would be really important for the Fed to, uh, to, uh, to try to be very, very clear about what they think of as monetary policy and what they think of as sort of responding to financial stability issues. And, um, and so having facilities that were responding directly to financial stability issues that are more targeted, may have a shorter term associated with them, that might help to clarify the sort of quantitative tightening that's going on in the background and then the responses to some of the um, dislocations. I think the Fed has to respond to dislocations. So I don't want to say that, you know, that um, they're contradicting themselves and they shouldn't be doing that. They're there to be the lender of last resort. They're there to provide liquidity. Um, when uh, when there's uh, when there's a disruption in the system, the first line of the the Federal Reserve Act is to provide a more elastic currency, which is to provide liquidity when there's uh, there's uh, there's a liquidity demand, high liquidity demand, and so they, they need to do that. But I think they need to, to to articulate much more clearly and carefully the difference between something that is a short term financial stability issue and a long term monetary policy. Issue. Some other central banks have done that very successfully, and I think they should take a, a leaf out of those uh, those books. Thank you so much. That was Dr. Randy Krosner from the Chicago Booth School, former Fed Board Governor. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.